so I, I wanted to get into, you know, we, we talked about this idea of um, sort of a, a victim consciousness and, and I wanted to circle this. It's a little more controversial, but, right. but I, I think we, I want to hit it from two angles, which was, is from sort of an awakening lens and from a therapeutic lens. And, and right. I'll start with the sort of awakening lens as I've come to understand it. Yeah. Um, you know, again, Junpo used to say that there are no victims in Zen mm-hmm. and it would just piss everybody off. Right. And no victims in Zen. Because it triggers your victim. Because it triggers your victim, right? And and what he meant was that was that it doesn't mean that victimization doesn't happen and hasn't happened. But if you if you think about in your meditation practice itself, you can choose to set down the part of you that is identified as a victim. You can just choose to to, to set that down and simply be present to what is, including the experiences that happened to you that were victimizing. Um, but you sort of let down this identity as a victim um, that something happened to and that there's this deep contracted energy around. And his his sort of advice was to, to do that in your practice, to just start in your practice and see if you could let go of all your identities, including the one that was legitimately victimized. Right. Um, and so he had a whole sort of complex and beautiful teaching around this. Um, Did it work? It it did work in a lot of ways because what if speaking from my experience and some of the other students, you know, that were senior students of his back when he was living, he would say things that like no one has ever made you angry. Right. Right. That's a victim thing. Well, right. fuck you, Chad. You just pissed me off. Like, who made you who made me mad? You did. Right. I'm a victim of your assholeness, and now I'm really upset with you, and I'm justified in this, and you know, everything just sort of clinches down. Yeah. And Junpo would always say, no, 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 no. You know, anger is a secondary emotion. Right. It's what you experienced was you experienced sadness and you experienced maybe some fear um, and and some deep caring, deep caring. You can't get angry if you don't care. And so he would say, tell the truth. Oh, I really care about this conversation. What you said has made me a little afraid and upset. And, uh, and I'd like to clear that with you. You know, that was anger to Junpo. I'm taking complete ownership of my emotional experience, relaying it back to you. And there's no victim in that. There's radical ownership in that. Right. That's right. That's one example of, from that's his. Agency. That's taking that. That's agency because he saw the conditioning as it came up. Right. And he made a choice point there. That choice point is the difference between victim and agency. Right, exactly. And then and then in my in my personal life, psychotherapeutically, you know, I, I my mother was an alcoholic and she was emotionally abusive growing up and it created a lot of turmoil for me uh, in grade school, high school, and then in my 20s and in my 30s. And, and I had to go through a process where I had to first admit really in my 30s that I was a victim of what happened. And yeah. I had to actually tell the truth there that like what happened to me wasn't my fault. Um, and it's, and it's, it has, is, it is causing me to do all kinds of things that I don't want to do. In other words, I'm a victim of this. And, and I had to go there fully and legitimately. To, to experience, to really re-experience your victim, to understand it. To get it out of shadow. Right. Exactly. Because I, because I was like, I'm not a victim. You know, I just do all these fucking weird things. I don't understand why. You right, know, it's coming out sideways. Or yeah. So it was like, so there was no acknowledgement that anything had happened. So I, so I had to actually admit that to myself. Right. And then I realized really quickly that I got stuck in it. That all that allowed me to be was mad at her. I couldn't have a relationship with my mother anymore because I was completely pissed off at her. Right. 
And so I had to keep working that where I, you know, eventually I got to the place of, oh, you know, what happened to me isn't my fault. Um, but it is my responsibility. I mean, you know, I, I can't expect my mom to clean up my life as a 38-year-old. You know, it's like I actually have to take responsibility for what happened. And then I got to this point where I realized that it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. That what she did to me wasn't her fault any more than it was my fault that it happened to me, that she was authentically a victim of her childhood and it got put into her. That's right. And so I was able to let the whole construct, not just of letting go of my own victim, but of actually allowing my mother and her victimization to be absolved of what she did and to find my heart relationship. She's still alive and, and to find my heart relationship to her and to the idea of like forgiving that, that doesn't really land, but I would see the idea yeah. of being able to meet her in her humanness yeah. and see who she was before she was traumatized. Beautiful. Two, two things I would just say about that is um, first of all, one of the criteria of healing, you know, any like a victim or anything is that it has to be understood Right. Actually, un- you, you have to see the truth of it. Right. And I don't mean truth with a capital T. It could be that in some cases, but you saw the truth of um, and the context for, you know, how you were victimized. In. And when you were able to see that, it's really interesting. Compassion came. Right. Spontaneously. Spontaneously. It's not I should forgive my mother. Exactly. It's through the understanding and that, I mean, really seeing the truth is compassion. So that's the trick with the victim consciousness is that the victim consciousness in order to remain a victim. Right. Doesn't want to see the truth. Right. And, and, and to, to take this into somewhat controversial territory, you know, when you look at sexual assault, say with children, I forget the statistics, but it's something like 95% of people who assault children sexually were sexually assaulted. It's some insane, insanely high number, right? So in a sense that got put into them. Exactly. Exactly. So, but you were able to see the causality, a greater causality. And when the sense-making locks onto causality and goes, oh, that's what happened. That's truer than I am a victim. There's something truer about that. Right. Then the compassion can flow because there's a, there's a, there's a, a space in the victim consciousness or space right. from the victim consciousness. Right. And so for me, this is where psychotherapy and spiritual practice start to, in, in the experience of my life, start to get really hard to differentiate. Good. Right. Because- yeah. I've also had the experience on retreats, you know, when you're sitting for hours and hours on a Zen retreat and you can't move, you know, and you can't make eye contact and your body's in agony. And I've had the deep realization that I have no external tormentors of any kind, that all of the pain and suffering that I, all the, all the suffering that I experience in my life is because I generate it myself, that, that there are no external tormentors of any kind. It's not the weather. It's not Trump. It's not the environmental crisis. It's it's not anything. Anytime I feel this, anytime I feel the suffering, it's because I I just refuse to be with what is. I refuse to accept what is and realize that there are no tormentors out there. I just torment myself. That's right. So that's a great capacity to see that because you, you actually have to dissolve that inner outer thing in order to see that really clearly, right? Because if there's an inner, mm-hmm. inner and an outer, there's the potentiation 
for uh, something to jump out of the, the, the outer towards the inner and, you know, the amygdala and reptilian brain fires up and doesn't feel safe and all that. So you can see that from there. And then to tell someone who's in psychotherapy that in so many words, it's not going to work, right? Right. Because that level of insight at that whole on and also that state experience is not the same whole on or state experience that needs the intervention, right? From, from a therapeutic point of view, right? And um, one thing we could add, you know, one thing I want to say about your book that I really appreciated mm -hmm. um, was you were jumping into the culture war a little bit. And mm -hmm. I thought you did it really skillfully in the way that you, um, you first addressed the spiritual ego a little bit that I thought was quite, you know, your list of what the spiritual ego, <laughs> what, what it likes and what it doesn't like. Exactly. And it did have a lot of sort of postmodern criteria in there, you know, yeah. like, it, so it, but it was a gentle way in, I thought. And then later on, you really addressed victim um, consciousness. And um, one thing that as I was reading your book, one thing I really started to appreciate about green consciousness, right, is that postmodern consciousness, yeah, postmodern consciousness, right, is that for the first time, right, the, the, the interior awareness just increases hugely from, from the previous orange, which is much more exterior focused. Right. right? Yeah, you, you can see systems as objects for the first time. I, I should say you can see that you can see unconscious systems for the That's first right. time, like That's systemic right. racism, for instance, which you can't really see at orange. That's right. You, you can so you can see that as an exterior systemic racism, but you can also see for the first time, it's like, wow, there are all these parts in me. Right. Victims, right. This is when psychotherapy can really start to make sense and to take off because at the orange level, it's sort of like uh, we're making vast generalizations here. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. At the orange level, it's more about I'm not getting what I want at the level of achievement or success or who I want to be in the world. And um, which is therapy can be very helpful there. But at, at the green level, it, it it is sort of more personal on the interior sense, because it's like the, the, the goal is sort of to get all those voices uh, around the round table having an equal say right a, a quality of the self exactly that, that my 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 oppressed traumatized little child has a much of a right to be at the table as my executive functioning successful keithness exactly and although i i understand i understood that before in, in reading your book i started to appreciate that move even more it's like wow all these all these parts are trying to, they're vying for equality in a right. heard to be seen. And this is where we want to be known and understood. And what we feel about things really matters. And, and I do have an inner victim and that does deserve to be at the table. Yes. And then the, the, the kind of problem sometimes is um, if, if we can't really, admit we're a victim and go down to that level you were talking about where you right. can really go and see what it is. We start to make justifications about how that victim 
even my victim needs a voice might be a way of avoiding actually doing that work in some way. It's like, it's like proto compassion, right? Proto compassion. It's like almost there or something, but then a lot of that stuff gets projected out. Right. Instead of seeing our own inner victims and healing a lot of those, we might make the error of trying to heal the world out there. Like in Buddhism, there's no, there's no difference. <laughs> right. But we project out there and we want to heal systems out there. And we, right. we spend a lot of time, all of which needs to happen. It, 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 it's very important and really good work. So I'm, I'm not going there. Right. But what you're saying is for too many people, it's a disowned and projected part of their own victim consciousness. That that that's And they're by trying to fix, say, systemic racism, what they're really trying to do is fix their wounded inner, inner child. Exactly. And, and then you could argue that actually that makes them far less effective at accomplishing that goal. You could argue it. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I would argue that. Oh, I would argue it too. I would argue it too. I think that's really important. But one thing I want to add, just because there was a loose end on what you were talking about, about um, none of your psychotherapists were actually giving you the stuff that you needed to get out of therapy. Yeah, I was dependent on them. It was dependent on them. And, and this is a, a little bit tricky. Again, I'm, I am entering some... Uh, some waters here that, you know, my, 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 my colleagues in psychotherapy may not like, right. Mm. But um, psychotherapy today is basically um, formulated mostly, mostly around humanism, right. Which was like BF Skinner kind of fifties and sixties. Yeah, it's post Skinner Skinner. Oh, post Skinner. Like, yeah. 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 This is like Carl Rogers and Abraham. Right. 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 Maslow. Maslow started to introduce the hierarchy of needs, and it was more about um, it was more about therapy for the whole person. Right, right. And Carl Rogers' main gig was uh, uh, unconditional positive regard. Right. My italics for all parts. Right. Right. So you can see this sort of uh, this movement. Behaviorism was quite orange in the sense. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. We're 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 like rats, and if you yeah. change condition in the rat, you know, you'll change your behavior, or whatever, right? Not all bad, but not quite integrated or, or something. Yeah. Like but my what the point I want to make is that we're steeped in a culture psychotherapeutically of humanism. And that's a great thing in terms of, you know, welcoming all parts of people and making people feel more and more safe in therapy. But we could say, we could reduce that slightly to that, that humanism is a green sort of worldview. Yeah. If we're not careful, therapists who have this model of trying to bring all the you know, parts to the round table, if that's the main view we're doing therapy through, right. we're actually unconsciously looking for victims. Right. And if I am looking for a victim as a healer, you in know, other words, yeah, because I'm a healer, you know, trying to rescue the victim. Yes. And, you know, all good therapists need to encounter this aspect of themselves. I still encounter it myself a lot. If This is where I have to really keep my, my own practice going, because if I notice I'm aligning with a victim, Right. I, I call it um, colluding with the victim. Colluding with the victim. Yeah. I know that 
I have stopped helping that person. Right. And I, and I point out in the book that, you know, imagine the horror of working with a coach or therapist that just said, nothing's really your fault. You know, the reason that you're in a dead end job and that you're single is, is because you were traumatized and that's okay. Let's just talk about the fact that you're stuck here for the rest of your life. You know, you, I mean, it's obviously horrible, but what I'm, there's a way that therapy can kind of fall into that trap unconsciously, right? That's right. And if we're in that unconscious mode of you're the victim and I'm the rescuer, you know, right. you did the victim triangle. And you're right, here. exactly. Right. So if, if we're in that unconscious mode and that isn't challenged, I, I will encourage you to be a victim in the unconscious. You know, if we challenge a therapist and say, what are you actually doing to keep them in a victim? This is all unconscious, right? Right. You know, uh, we, we don't want them to go away or I lose my rescuer or, or you know, or yeah, maybe yeah. I don't give all the bloody tools for self-agency that I could, you know? Um, so it's, uh, it, 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 it's a trick. It, it, you know, people complain that therapists are trying to, you know, just keep their people there. And I don't think that's true sort of as a conscious sort no, of. No, I would, I would agree with that. I, yeah, I would totally agree with that. that. The paradigm itself, the worldview is quite postmodern. And I think, but I think you, you could make the same argument for spiritual teachers, right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, the percentage of people who awaken enough to leave the teacher is quite small. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's also, I think, this kind of work could also be done and brought into spiritual communities where if I'm teaching my students, is there an unconscious part of me that needs them to, to keep being students? No, no, no. I've got the insight, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, know. you really want to be careful of teachers that want uh, want you to like them. Really. <laughs> therapist is a little harder because, you're, you know, you, you got to know that your therapist likes you. Because if you don't, you're, you're, you know what I mean? Well, especially with attachment wounding and things, it's pretty, yeah, like it, yeah. So there's, that's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little different, a little different. Well, that, there was a great, so I, I spent quite a few uh, time with the the teacher, Reggie Ray, who is a senior student of, uh, of um, Twiggum Fumka. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he would just do a funny thing. Sometimes you'd be talking to him and he would about your practice and he would say something really rude, right? Like really confronting. And when you would look at him with that certain expression of shock, he would say, I'm sorry, were you under some impression that I was supposed to be safe? Yeah. Nice. Well, and it was like, and, and to which I was like, yeah, actually, I was under that impression. And he's like, oh, well, well you might want to check that because that's yeah. not my job. Exactly. Here we go. Right. Exactly. And now you couldn't do that as a therapist because it would be completely traumatized. Yeah, you're, you're, you're wrecking the therapeutic alliance by doing that. <laughs> right. You can't. Right. And so that's why these two things are, are, you know, the whole premise of this talk, right, is that Zen and psychotherapy don't work. <laughs> but the truth is they do work when we start to really lean them into each other and and play back and forth. If I go to my spiritual teacher trying to work on my inner child stuff, it's probably not going to go very well because they're not going to understand how to actually communicate right. and heal that part of me. Right. And if I go to my conventional psychotherapist and I say, you know, like, I really want to be liberated from the suffering of the world, you know, ah, yeah, they're not going to be able to deliver on that, you know, so if we bring them both together, I, intelligently, the way we're talking about here, I, I think yeah. um, you give yourself a very powerful chance to awaken in this life. Mm -hmm.